this is it. This is the queen, the terrible. We're not going to call it Bohemian Rhapsody because whenever I've wanted to tweet about it and say, I hate Bohemian Rhapsody, can't stop thinking about how much I hate Bohemian Rhapsody. I don't want anyone to be confused. That's the greatest recording ever. Love that song. Beautiful, great stuff. The Terrible Queen movie was terrible, and we've got the people to prove it. Jeff is in town. Ugh. Pete Blackburn. My name's Brave Dave. Uh, th- that's uh, speaks for everybody. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I like how this worked out because before we before we even saw the movie, we came up with the idea. We said we should have Jeff on. We want a Jeff week. episode. We we're overdue for a Jeff episode. Saw the movie. Mm. I got wicked excited that Jeff was coming on for this because uh, this is going to be a doozy of a discussion. Okay, go ahead. Oh no, no, no! You're right. I had low expectations and it didn't meet them. Okay, so we are all going to go around. And basically, give uh, like uh, opening thoughts of sorts. Jeff, you are the guest. I will go first. <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody tells the story of how the most innovative band this side of the Beatles won over the world for two decades, while the greatest frontman to ever live did drugs and had all the gay sex to his heart's content until it literally killed him. It was a story so incredible and so true that all they had to do was tell it for it to be the epic that it was. Oh, wait. Bohemian Rhapsody tells the story of Rami Malek dressed as a horse while he and his bandmates go head-to-head with a studio executive who never existed over a battle that never existed. In it, Freddie Mercury forces one of the best singing drummers of all time to sing the high notes that he sang before Freddie was even in the band as the band enjoys an illustrious career of recording two albums to the dismay of a very convincing Brian May lookalike and a surprisingly esteemed John Deacon. Freddie breaks up the band so he can record a solo album and possibly get AIDS from doing cocaine during the years (laughs) while Queen recorded one of its more popular albums featuring two of its biggest hits in Radio Gaga and I Want to Break Free. Then, two years before Freddie Mercury was diagnosed with AIDS, he and the band decide to reunite and do a big concert for Freddie that they let the rest of the world call Live Aid. Uh, it, uh, what else? Uh, it features plenty of never-before-heard queen factoids made up of entirely never-before-happened queen factoids. <laughs> you want to miss it. That's a good review. That is an unbelievable <laughs> review. Like, you should write for, I wrote uh, it in Napa Panera, Rain. like, five minutes ago. <laughs> That's unbelievable. I'm mad, I'm mad that you went first now. Yeah, I know. now mine's gonna stink. Uh, go ahead, Jeff. I, I guess, basically, what I wanted to say is that going into this movie, like, I didn't know much about Queen other than their music. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, I still don't know much exactly. about Queen. Yes, <laughs> that is such a good um, point. And it was just like a paint by numbers. They made shit up. <laughs> Essentially, the end is all of Live Aid, the 20 minutes of Live Aid. That shit is on YouTube. Just watch it <laughs> yeah. on YouTube. Save money. Just watch the fucking YouTube. And it's, it's so literally much when they do it. Like, real John Deacon is there. And exactly. Freddie Mercury and all those guys. Exactly. <laughs> I don't understand why anyone would pay to see this movie when the best part of it, the real thing, is on YouTube. Yes. Yes. And everybody said, uh, well, well, you have to admit, the music was great. That's because the music they it was used queen. was just Queen. <laughs> yeah. So the only thing that the snowman was missing was a Queen soundtrack? <laughs> That would have been yeah, interesting. It's, yeah, uh, it's, we it should was, do that. We should fix bad movies <laughs> by, by adding Queen. Well, Jeff made this the point unbelievable. that the best movie that's been made this year with Queen music is Game Night. Game yeah. Night, and the best uh, Lucy Boynton band movie was uh, Sing, Sing Street. Street. Yes, that and was the best the movie year. to feature Bohemian Rhapsody was Wayne's World. <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I guess uh, I tweeted immediately after the fact. I was like, that movie. I enjoyed the live aid scene just because it was so big, and I think that's that was like a perfect place to finish. I don't think you can really finish anywhere else if you're making a Queen movie. Well, you uh, could have finished it actually the, when he was diagnosed. Right, with AIDS. exactly. Yeah. Like that is that's a big issue, issue that we'll get to later. But yeah. I thought that that was a cool finish to the movie. Uh, the previous two hours was completely <laughs> useless, and I think the best word that I could describe it is uh, it was soulless. Like yeah. that was yeah. such a soulless movie. Uh, and, like, I guess uh, my my biggest issue is that I didn't, uh, like Jeff said, I didn't learn anything about Queen. Uh, and if, if, like, if you're not going to tell the story and you're going to do a paint-by-numbers biopic, then at least do it correctly and right. tell the story correctly. Right, yeah. And make it, be- it, not even make it believable, like... Make it believable because it's what actually fucking happened. Right. Like, I remember this before, you said, uh, 
I think it's just going to give us Wikipedia. I so would have taken Wikipedia right. because it's way more interesting. Yeah, to go after and read it and be like, oh, like don't that's to... actually what happened. Right, like, do you know yeah. how he met uh, John Hutton, his uh, his partner? The guy that looked like Rob Delaney and I kept thinking was Rob <laughs> yeah. Delaney the entire movie. So in real life, he met uh, John Hutton at a club and it was like a gay club and John Hutton was a hairdresser. And uh, he had, I think he was with somebody at the time, but it was like a little bit of a uh, like Wolf of Wall Street kind of thing where gotcha. they, like, they, they fudge the timeline a little bit and they get together. In this movie, instead, uh, they make John Hutton a caterer yeah. who Freddie <laughs> sexually assaults uh, while on the job. And then they have a heart to heart and then Freddie stalks him for... Two and a half years, and then they get together. None of that happened. They met in a club. They went in a gay club, which is where gay people go. They did a lot of things that gay people do that are not portrayed in this movie. This movie, I saw a tweet. Uh, somebody said, uh, I learned from watching Bohemian Rhapsody that you contract AIDS by looking at somebody from a, yes. from a payphone. <laughs> yes. yeah. and, he uh, sees Adam Lambert, gives him a little look, and then bam. Wait, was go. that Adam Lambert? So, I think. Oh, my God. Uh, and I, I, the like the first time that I cringed in this. Well, I guess it probably wasn't the first time that I cringed in this movie. But uh, a big one of the biggest cringes that I got in this movie was like the first reference to him maybe being gay is him staring at a a rest stop t- a rest stop trucker yeah. going into a bathroom. At no, a rest so stop. so I think what they're trying to say there is that like he's meeting that guy. And they're kind of giving each other the eyes, right? But, but that's yeah. the first time that like they reference him being. Oh, gay. right, yeah, and, yeah. It, and that's like after the band has uh, recorded. Uh, like they're I, on I guess, tour, one third of album, and uh, <laughs> yeah. they're on tour after recording their first album. Uh, in this movie, they tell them uh, we need. By the way, Queen is like the best, most innovative studio band, right? Like they did. Their albums obviously are just incredible sounding, and there's stuff on that al- on those albums that still aren't on anything else because they just labored and labored and labored. They showed them in the studio for like a total of four minutes in this movie, yep. and here's what they show: they show them swinging an amplifier as if to say, "We do crazy stuff in the studio." <laughs> they show uh, Roger Taylor doing a million different passes of uh, the Galileo part. Uh, against his will, he does not want to be singing this song <laughs> that they all wanted to be singing, and they all totally loved, and everybody loved that Mike Myers guy, the Ray Foster character, n- not a person, did not exist, there was no pushback, they were like, yo, the song's a little long, but that uh, the DJ, Freddie's friend, yep. was already playing it on the radio, so it was this huge thing. It needed no help, there was no fight, and people in the theater, the stupid olds, where they were like clapping <laughs> yeah. every time they would stick it to the like, exec that didn't want them to play uh, their rock and roll. And their, uh, like their, their studio scene, their studio montage, if you want to call it a montage, like it was just them doing goofy shit. Like I'm pretty sure there was a lampshade on somebody's head at, at one point. Oh, yeah. And it, it was just like... It was like, and the, like the big crux of that was that like somebody walked into the studio and was like, "Oh, these guys are fucking wacky. Let's sign let's them to sign a deal." It. And this is when they're recording their uh, first album. They say, "Let's get into the studio and let's record an album." And so that would have been the album Queen, which uh, their first two albums were just like rock albums. They were. It wasn't until Sheer Heart Attack, the one that has uh, Killer Queen on it, that they really started to get uh, what would be called like Baroque or whatever. Um, but in this movie, they go in, they record one album, then they go on tour for 11 years off of uh, <laughs> one album, and the studio calls them in. They say, they love, that we, we need you guys to make another album. Theoretically, in this movie, I guess, a second album. <laughs> yeah. And they want more stuff like Killer Queen, which is going to be on your third album. So they say, okay, let's make a second album called A Night at the Opera. Whoa, it's 1975 already? Let's do it. <laughs> and they go into the studio, and their time in the studio of recording, again, just the most creative Creative, crazy stuff. That album, like Seaside Rendezvous, Roger Taylor was playing. He was putting thimbles on his fingers to record like tap dancing sounds. They were uh, they were feeding stuff to headphones and putting them in cans and then miking the cans so it would sound like all this crazy stuff. They were just doing ridiculous stuff. They showed in this movie. Uh, they, they 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 gave John Deacon a, a small room when they were sleeping. 
That was yeah. the that was the night of the opera experience that yeah. was shown. Yeah, it was fucking it was ridiculous. No mention of uh, Roy Thomas Baker or Reinhold Mack, who were both and that's like a, a that might be a nitpicky complaint that I understand you don't need to show like the producers and the other people that were making it, but like, if you're not telling a story of Queen making crazy ass music, what are you telling? Well, well exactly because the, uh, they weren't telling a Freddie Mercury story. Well, let me cut in here. Like, the, I'm fine if you wanna if you wanna like leave other things out. Fudge and, it. And yeah, and like you, if you want to sacrifice certain areas. But the fact that they had so many things, so many parts of the story to tell that would have been so interesting to see in exactly. depth, and they didn't do any of them right or didn't do right. any of so, them like, justice. What is did so we frustrating. Get? What exactly? Did, we didn't get the cool queen stuff, and uh, you didn't get. The I music. implore all the listeners go look up. Any of the videos of, uh, like, there's documentary stuff on those albums where they talk about what they did, and it's so interesting. But, yeah, you didn't get the music. You didn't get the music. You didn't get, like, his his life, really. No. They completely glossed over... Like the the fact that he changed his name, his upbringing, and right. stuff like you didn't they 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 referenced that and there was like scenes of it, but there is no explanation. You have no idea why he was motivated to do the things that he did in terms of like how he grew up, why he wanted to change his name, why he was like so sort of introverted yeah. as far as like his own personality and not his stage persona. Like you didn't get any of that. You didn't really get like the band's true story. No, you didn't get like the 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 AIDS. Uh, like scenario and how they dealt with that they did nothing nothing well here's a question i ask uh what person what would you say freddie's personality was based on that movie uh honestly and this was like made me feel bad like he almost seemed kind of dumb and just did whatever anyone (laughs) that movie didn't paint him in a good light no i don't think so either and yeah, and he was like he was known as being like this very very sweet man. Yeah, like he was out of his mind, like drugs, and when he would get on the stage, he would do all this crazy stuff. And that the the thing with uh, Paul uh, Prenter, their manager turned oh, his yeah, lover, yeah, yeah. like that thing was true that he said that that like Freddie would have a different lover every night. So he certainly lived a rock and roll lifestyle. But like, if you watch interviews with him, he was this like very thoughtful man. In this, and this is where I get on Rami Malek because he's partially to blame here too. He's just—he was only the oh well, hello, darling, Freddie. That's right. all he ever yeah. was. There was never—he—he he did not emote at all. No emotion. I don't I, put that on him though. Like I, I want to have a discussion about like how we felt about Rami Malek in this because uh, we had different takeaways. I thought yeah. that he was. I thought that he was good, and I thought that uh, of all the problems that I had with the, this movie, he's very far down the list. And I think that what you're talking about and your criticisms here is, has a lot more to do with the writing and the directing than it does with Rami Malek. Kind of like I because I I was rooting for him, and when I figured it was going to be a bad movie i was like well at least i'll get to watch freddie mercury for a couple hours it's hard to and, have it's hard to put depth into a character when there's no depth in the movie right that's fair like they they're i don't yeah i guess like all the scenes where you would think he would be like big and grand he just wasn't he was just it, it's almost like they he took lessons on how to do uh the five different freddies and he got one of them down, and they were like, "Oh, you, all right, whatever. No one's going to see this anyway. Just, uh, <laughs> just do that the whole time." Didn't it make like fifty million dollars this weekend? Yeah, yeah. Did, you crush. And yeah. we should definitely talk about the reception to it because uh, it's all over the place. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's so right now. I have the ratings pulled up, and I've seen I've seen glowing reviews. I've seen people who have agreed with us and that they they were frustrated and that it did nothing for them. Uh, right now on IMDb, it's eight point four out of ten. Holy shit! Rot- I know. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes is a sixty percent out of sixty uh, percent out of one hundred, and Metacritic is fifty percent out of one hundred. And then uh, Google Google users ninety eight percent of Google users like this. So movie. that so uh, so you said Rotten Tomatoes gives it a sixty. Yes. The audience score on Rotten Tomatoes it's like is ninety five. Yeah. What? So the so people just answering the question, did you like it or not, are resoundingly like nine point five out of ten people are saying yes, I liked it. That's crazy. I think what people are taking away is that like, oh, it's a cool excuse to listen to Queen right. super, super loud on a thing. Yeah. And that was kind of cool. However, this movie is fucking interminably long. It was like two and a half hours yes. long. Yes. 
And everything in between those musical montages was is crap. boring <laughs> yeah. and yeah. shitty and very just like bland. I think Pete, like you were talking about it earlier, this store, like Freddie Mercury is a immigrant um, baggage handler at Heathrow airport. And then he became Freddie Mercury. Yeah. How did that happen? Yes. There's you no, <laughs> you do not nothing. know the first 10 minutes. Like, was like if they took two and a half hours on the first ten minutes of like here's this dude he rebels against his family he joins Queen they start an album that was like ten minutes long and after that they had a record deal and were touring the U S right. and then nothing else happened literally the first uh, like twenty minutes of the movie he's he's uh, a baggage handler he then that night he decides he's gonna go out that night he goes to a bar. He sees what will become Queen play. Smile. Their, yeah. their singer quits. He meets him in the parking lot. Boom, Boom. you've got Queen. Well, you forgot way, he, to, you, he also met his fiance on the walkthrough to meet the band. So yeah. like everything <laughs> yeah. was handled. His entire life yeah. was One walk. in yeah. 30 minutes. Dr- drank a beer, went backstage, met his wife, and joined a band. There you guys uh, missed one this. Walk. There was also a stand selling cats on his way back there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, yeah. So he was able to pick up his cats as fucking, well. A lot, lot of fucking cats. cutaway shots to his cats. Only thing they yes. got right in this movie was the Freddie Mercury-liked cats. <laughs> like, really? That's what you are going to do? You're going to gloss over the whole gay thing. But like, we, you got to know. <laughs> Yeah, you please do not come away from this movie thinking he's a dog guy. He loved cats. He loved cats. Yeah, the AIDS thing was crazy. I, I don't know if we can we can jump to it, but like, yeah. yeah, it's obviously one of the biggest things to ever happen in music and <laughs> and to Freddie Mercury specifically. Yeah, if you went to the bathroom, I would say that it was a pretty yeah. Big, if pretty you went to thing. the bathroom and you came back and the title cards ended, it said Freddie Mercury died of AIDS. You'd be like. He had AIDS. Like, that's yeah. how quick it was. Yes. It was 30 seconds. And like, boom. let us not gloss over the fact that the one scene that they addressed the AIDS in is yeah. maybe the worst scene of the oh year. Oh, my God. I had forgot. I blacked it out of my mind. <laughs> and then so Ryan Lambert bad. saw it and tweeted about that. And I was like, oh, my God. That's the hallway and when he's I think just I like, like, I think we started A-O. texting each other about that. We're like, oh, my God, the AOC. Yes. Oh, my uh, God. Yeah. So they uh, <laughs> there's the scene where he finally goes to the to the doctor and finds out that he has is it HIV or is it AIDS? I'm not I'm not sure. I don't well, the think cool thing was it was uh, three years before he had AIDS. So the doctor said, hey, we got out ahead of this early. So <laughs> yeah. just uh, don't get AIDS uh, over the next couple of years and we can beat this. <laughs> I know. I, and what what was the point of that? What was the point of messing up that the point? Of of this was i think that live aid paid for the movie or something did any of that money actually go to the families there or did they just save it for years to then pay for this movie (laughs) because they made the movie begins and ends with live aid which obviously that was a great performance live queen's set at live aid was like 22 minutes just like everybody else like yeah. Like you don't see is Phil Collins is the Phil Collins movie all going to be about the time that he came? But they out did. And, but like the, the Queen set at Live Aid was, was like, epic. Yeah, like yeah. everything else, though, because it was it's it's just one of the I don't know five or ten good high quality recordings of Queen live. But it's not like so he he gets that little diagnosis, and we can hit on this now. So that he's told you have AIDS. He's walking out. There's a kid sitting off to the side, uh, also has AIDS, and he thinks he recognizes Freddie, and he goes, Ayo? And Freddie says, very, very somberly, Yes. Ayo. Ayo. It is the worst. It's so and, bad. And the kid's like, so darn, bad. he must have AIDS. Oh, man. It was like a after school special. They're making special. Like, people with um, AIDS like have this like language that they speak or something. That's how like, homophobic you know, uh, this movie was. <laughs> you know how like uh, you ever hear the story about like people who drive Jeep Wranglers when they pass another Jeep Wrangler on the yeah. road, they like throw up like the horns yeah. or something. That was basically AIDS what this telepathy. scene was. Yeah. They yes. had they had AIDS telepathy. So then uh, Freddie uh, finds out that Live Aid is happening now. He would know about Live Aid, but. Uh, Live Aid has been asking Queen to play, and they keep calling his uh, manager and saying, hey, isn't Queen going to play Live Aid? But he doesn't tell them. No, Queen wasn't invited to do Live Aid because they had done... I forget what they did, but it it was because of Queen. Queen did something that pissed people off. I know the actual story, and it's way more interesting than what happened in the movie. Then they they played it like a... So what happened was, was Bob Geldof announced the lineup of Live Aid and announced that Queen was playing before asking anybody. (laughs) <laughs> so they were pissed and they wanted to play and then Bob Geldof put his band immediately after Queen uh, um, so to upstage him they 
originally only had 15 minutes to play. Yeah. And they played for like 25 minutes, destroyed everything. And then Bob Geldof and his fucking band that no one's ever heard of had to go back out and follow that. And that was their like, fuck you. To That's him. amazing. That's awesome. I also know that there was like, uh, it was almost like uh, people people were uh, boycotting Troy Sivan's concert because uh, Kim Petras was opening and she works with Dr. Luke. It was like, a, this is like a very 2018 thing to happen back in 1985. <laughs> but uh, Queen had played at some show where in, oh they'd played in a country where uh something bad was going on and Got you it. ask but DJ how did they what do you mean they played they were broken up because Freddie broke oh, yeah, up the, the band classic in queen the movie. breakup yeah we all remember when queen broke up in the 80s and, and Freddie went to Munich and <laughs> I want to break free well he went to Munich to record his album but the album came out a million years later and it was during this time, like I said, that Queen made the album The Works, which had I Want to Break Free and Radio Gaga, they played Live Aid like two months after finishing a world tour. So they make this whole thing. And again, Freddie does not have AIDS yet. He says to the band, you know, what? let's reunite and we'll play Live Aid. And they make him stand outside and sweat it out while they decide whether this guy who does not have AIDS gets to uh, play this show with them. And they say, okay, fine, we'll play the show. And as they're rehearsing, Freddie has to keep taking breaks because his AIDS is acting up. Yep. Does not have AIDS. And at the <laughs> end of the rehearsal, he says to the guys, as though he's had a great idea, guys, I've got it. And Roger Taylor says, got what, Freddie? And he says, AIDS. And they say, okay, well, we'll play the show for Freddie. And then they play Live Aid. None of that happened. Uh, and and here's where they sort of uh, use their their attempted get-out-of-jail-free card uh, in the movie where they tried to explain why they didn't cover the AIDS as well as they should have. They had Freddie go, uh, I, I don't want it to be about, about the AIDS. I don't want to be the spokesperson for AIDS. Let's let's not focus on the AIDS. Let's focus on the music. And that was definitely their get yeah. out of G- jail free card. As far as like, why didn't you cover the AIDS in depth? And they'd be like, well, watch that scene. Freddie wouldn't want this movie to be about his AIDS. Freddie, well, the, Freddie was a pretty big AIDS figurehead, being that he was Freddie Mercury and that he got yes, AIDS. Yeah. And uh, and it would, the AIDS pretty big part of the freddie mercury story yeah you know so what? you fucking yeah. should tell the part of that story yeah it could have been a nice time for like education and raising awareness and th- like okay this is i went to i was i saw this movie at legacy place and i got a new phone afterwards and i got the um the iphone product red which like mm. re- like things go to hiv aids research like a portion of the proceeds nice i did more immediately after <laughs> watching this movie than all of Bohemian Rhapsody has done for the movement. Yeah, that is very true. Uh, Let's hit a uh, quick sponsor. You probably already know what The Athletic is if you're a sports fan. Uh, It's a place where literally all your favorite writers probably right now, uh, they're scooping up talent left and right. Guys like Ken Rosenthal, Jason Stark, Zach Harper for the NBA, Sam Amick, Frank Isola, uh, Pierre Lebrun, Jay Glazer, Pretty much every big name now writes for The Athletic. So uh, if you're a sports fan, there's a good chance you're you're subscribed. But if you're not, we have a great deal. Uh, it's 40% off, $2.99 a month. Uh, if, you, if you're not totally sure what The Athletic is, it's a, a subscription-based publisher of smarter sports coverage for diehard fans. The model is simple. No ads, no pop-ups, no autoplay videos. Uh, they're, they're all about the content. They're all about the stories. Uh, readers subscribe for an authentic, in-depth coverage written by journalists who know the teams inside and out. That coverage goes beyond game recaps and trade speculation, uh, and, in, and they provide smarter analysis and deeper perspective about teams and leagues, uh, whether it's the whether it's MLB, NBA, NFL, NHL, all across the board. Uh, if you subscribe, you get you get access to local and national content. Which is uh, it, it comes out to about six hundred to seven hundred news stories per week across all sports. So uh, if you go to theathletic.com/brunch, you'll get uh, you'll be able to subscribe for forty percent off. That's two ninety nine a month. It's an insane deal uh, for the quality product that that they're sharing for sports fans. Uh, it is a great publisher. Uh, you can subscribe and be a part of the future of sports journalism. So that's theathletic.com slash brunch for a two ninety nine per month 
subscription. Highly recommend it. I read them all the time. Let's hit on some uh, particularly terrible moments, ones that made us mad. Uh, I don't know if I should. I'll just get to it. Um, the Mike Myers thing oh, yeah. was obviously oh, dreadful. Fuck. Again, Mike Myers plays a studio executive uh, who looks like exactly like Jeff Lynn for some reason. Like a slightly fatter, way sweatier Jeff Lynn. He's basically a combination of uh, Jeff Lynn and uh, Frank from uh, Scarface. Yeah. You know, like you was a, you a Haza Frank. That guy. Uh, and he keeps telling them, no, you can't do this. You can't do this. And he listens to opera in his... Uh, in his office, and that's why Freddie wrote Bohemian Rhapsody. And he, looks like a, he looks like a dude that would get murdered in like one of the first three seasons of The Sopranos. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so this was when I realized that I was angry and hating the movie uh, when they bring in Bohemian Rhapsody to him, and he says, "No, this won't be a hit." He says, "What about I'm in love with my car?" You jeez, love it. Well, that's the kind of song teenagers can crank up the volume in their car and bang their heads to. Bohemian Rhapsody will never be that song. And then Pete turned to me and said, did you get that reference? And I almost that was, killed everyone. <laughs> that, I, was, oh, I, that was I, me being like, did you get it? Right, and I was like... <laughs> <laughs> I was just—I I have that down in my notes. I was like, "That is the exact moment that I could tell that DJ fucking hated yeah. this movie." Yeah, I, because I turned to him in like a mocking tone. I yeah. was like, "Hey, did you get it?" And he's like, "Yes." <laughs> so, I, yes, Pete, I got it. And like 16 seconds later, you hear all the old people. Like, oh, world, huh? So I had a delayed reaction. That, I oh. I got the reference, and I was like, "Oh, Wayne's World, fuck." And then I remembered seeing Mike Myers in the credits. And then, like, five minutes later when they're recording, I was just like, oh, fuck, that was Mike Myers? No. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it's very uh, t- uh, Tom Cruise in, uh, what's it Tropic called? Thunder. Yeah, Tropic yeah. Thunder. And, uh, and so it made me ten times more mad when I went home and I saw, like, a couple days ago that Mike Myers was doing the talk show circuit, and I think that he was mm. with Colbert. And, they, of course, they fucking, they play the uh, the the Wayne's World clip mm. and that clip of the movie back-to-back, and, you, and he's just, like, going on waxing poetic about, like, how his life has come full circle. <laughs> and, like, I'm just like, shut the fuck up. This is the worst. You put this scene in the movie just so that you could fucking exactly. do this. Exactly. Yeah. That was the most, like, self-flagellating. Because, again... That didn't exist. That yeah. wasn't a thing that happened. There was never a sit down where a guy was like, "No, we won't do it." And they they, th- they throw a rock through his window afterwards, and then oh, he yeah. turns around, and they've all changed into leather jackets, and they're snapping <laughs> like this. And like, don't mess with us, execy. And it just pissed uh, me off because I I don't think the movie like earned that joke. Like none no. of like like yeah. they try. There were like maybe four jokes in the whole movie, and it was like a joyless film, like a, a yeah, joyless yeah. experience. And like I don't know, they made uh, Brian and Roger like not really have personalities. That was the and weirdest jo- thing. Also, they didn't fucking age. That drove me fucking crazy. Oh, yeah. They met in college, and then like all, then they have wives, they and then they're like, "We're too old to yeah. tour." Yeah, yeah, one, they just yeah got at one point when Roger, uh, Freddie uh, asks Roger to stay for dinner, he goes, "I can't." I've, uh, wife, it's wife it's 1980. Kids. It's become 1984. You see, <laughs> yeah. and now I have a wife and kids. And Freddie said. Ah yes, this is where Didn't we are. Didn't you notice, Freddie? I changed my hair. Right, I yeah. have kids now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I was very surprised with how they portrayed Roger. They made Roger like a nothing, and yeah. Roger was this awesome rock star who wrote these great songs and obviously a great singer and did all this cool stuff. Uh, Brian was. The, like the genius of the group and the the smart one, but they didn't give him a personality. And given that he's the one that was the driving force behind what made so much of this bad, I thought at least they would make the Brian May character cool. They they did. He did look and sound. He looked just exactly like him. Like him. Uh, I found it very interesting how much attention they played to John Deacon because the easiest thing to do in this movie is John Deacon was the quiet bass player who. Wrote a lot of hit songs, but when he would bring them in, he would just like kind of like throw them at them and be like, I don't know if this is any good. Uh, just do the song if you want. And it would be like, you're my best friend. Or it would be like another one bites the dust best. or something. Uh, and when once Freddie died, 
he just went away and no one's heard from him. He's like, really? yeah, he was just this very like uh, seemingly don't didn't want to be in the spotlight kind of guy. And they played. I, I liked that they sh- uh, shine such a light on his contributions to the band. But they would make him all chatty and talkative. They that's had like him the played one thing by that the you kid. could ignore, right? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was the easy thing. Uh, and they had him played by the kid from Jurassic Park, which I didn't know. That's oh, the really? little kid from Jurassic Park. Really? Like the and it first was driving one? me crazy. I was like, "Who is this guy?" There were a lot of names in this movie that didn't get like good roles, like um, Littlefinger, Carcetti, yes, uh, Aiden yeah, Gillen, yeah. like. He was just sort of there. Um, he was Tom like, Hollander. <laughs> yeah, Miami. Oh, wait. Well, yeah. oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, he was just sort of there. Miami, Tom Hollander. Mm-hmm. He's, I don't know if you guys have seen The Night Manager, but he's mm-hmm. in that. Uh, that. They just, like, all these, like, cool guys. Like, even Lucy Boynton was just sort of, yeah. like, there to be, like, a thing. They've like, got to stop. They're starting to Vergara, Lucy Boynton, which is, Vergara is, they're like, hey, uh, come on, come in this and be uh, beautiful and clumsy. And like, chef is the only thing that lets her just be like, hey, you, I think you're, the you, actual term for that is typecasting. Right, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, Lucy Boynton, other than Sing Street, is like, hey, we're just going to have the camera on you and do whatever you want. Just, just have that pretty face of yours. Yeah. And that's all that she did in this movie, except for uh, her, uh, like, she told off Freddie. In telling him that he was gay, yes, and then she was... like backtracked and realized, like, oh wait, this is 2018. She was like, "You're gay, Freddie," and then she goes over to the window and she's like, "I mean, it's it's just that this has impacted this marriage, is all." And I'm very, I'm not mad at you. I'm not I, mad at you. I like that they approached the uh, the the coming out scene with her telling Freddie what he is. Yeah, because he goes, "I'm bisexual," and she goes, no. "You're gay." Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, honey. Uh, uh, another big uh, cringe, angry part of the movie came in that scene. That scene starts with him sitting her down, and he shows a video of them playing "Love of My Life," and the whole audience is singing along. And it's like a, it was so crazy that they were singing along because we didn't know that they knew the words to any of our songs. And after all, this your is queen. just like, yeah. a your queen, and b. Do you know why people sang along at Queen concerts? Because Freddie Mercury was notorious for doing only two things. Rocking way too hard so he was going to have to take a little break. And then conducting people for the other songs. And look up any video of Queen playing Love of My Life. And that's what it is. He sits with Brian. Brian plays the intro and everything. And then he conducts them. They sing it. And then he goes, you're beautiful. And I can't do a (laughs) Freddie voice or whatever. But uh, that's what it was. And that leads to her being like, oh, speaking of which... uh, you're gay, huh? <laughs> and I was like, oh, all of this scene. Uh, if we're talking about stuff that made me cringe, we should we should definitely hit on, and I don't know if this happened in every single theater, but before they actually showed the movie, yes. there was like this weird sort of PSA thing of like <laughs> Remy Malik addressing the crowd, uh, the movie theater crowd, and was like, hey, thank you so much for coming to see this movie. Hey, yo, it's me, yeah. Remy Malik. <laughs> yeah. I don't have AIDS. Not yet. Uh, but he would like address the movie theater crowd and was like, thank you so much for coming out to this movie. It's like, you made this possible. And it was like, that was the moment where I knew that it was going to be a bad movie. Agreed. Because I was like, why did they put this here? Right, he's like, what are they buttering me right, up for? Right, he's like, I get it. You shouldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. You're like, I shouldn't? Yeah. <laughs> um, speaking of the intro, uh, I knew I hated it when the uh, the, the guitar, the, the, the yes, 20th century yeah. fox, the guitar. 20th century fox guitar. But not just any guitar. They did it like all Brian May like, except they didn't do it on a guitar. They did it on a twenty dollar Radio Shack keyboard <laughs> on the distorted electric guitar setting, and it went ga ga ga. No guitar goes ga, and it's going ga 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 ga. ga. And I, was like, like, I hate this movie. He made this movie. Like, just have him record yeah, the ask thing. Ask him to do it. Ask ask Brian May to do it. You've got access to him. I normally like when uh, movies do that. Like uh, Scott Pilgrim does that in like Eight Bit. I actually. Uh, yeah. I watched Happy this Death movie. Day. Does I it watched the best Scott way. Pilgrim for the first time two days oh, ago. Oh, would you really? think? Yes, I thought it was pretty good. Super fun movie. Yeah, it's yeah. Yeah. super fun. Yeah, uh, very weird. Very uh, like I was like, okay, I have to, I have to just be here for this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. yeah. So Go I, in. I, there. I liked it. Yeah, uh, but yeah, I like when uh, there's a funny Onion article that's like, like Warner Brothers logos gets all st- distorted. Yeah, I, I, Guy I, expecting shit to be fucked up, like <laughs> you know, like something like that. Uh, Happy Death Day has a cool one. It goes. Ooh. 
too spooky and then it for me. Starts over, and then it does it, and it does it like a few different times. Oh. You're like, wait is a that second, an Easter egg? Am I reliving the same 20th century Fox it's thing? Like, and then it's like, nope. I just came to see this movie for the second time in a row because I'm DJB. I went two days in a row. I considered going to see this again because I was like, I really need to have my thoughts collected. I can't. It I'm did, never it's, going to. Watch it's so burned again. in that I I had enough. I didn't have to read really anything about it because I didn't I wanted it to be fresh and all my anger the only thing I read was uh Ryan Lambert's tweet about the uh <laughs> the AODS diagnosis and <laughs> oh I thought you were talking about happy death day still and I was like what uh, no oh I've sh- I've written and read plenty <laughs> yeah. about happy death day speaking of Lambert I feel like we should talk about why people like this movie because he had a pretty I mean he made a good point about why people are enjoying this as movie only he could because it's just like it's people gobbling up nostalgia shit no matter how fucking how good like it's people who can't think critically and are just like oh queen nice right and that's sort of like the Greta Van Fleet it's the same thing as Greta Van Fleet they think that by saying they don't like this movie they're saying that they don't like queen Queen. and they're like they played queen what kind of fan are you if you don't like it it sounds just like people who came into the theater that were going to say that they love the movie no matter what yeah right and uh I so I was going back and forth with some people on Twitter. Why do I do it? And uh, <laughs> someone was like, "Uh, well, Brian May uh, was an executive producer. It couldn't be that far off." And I was like, "Look up at the oh, look at the timeline." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Everything went wrong because of that guy." That's actually when I knew it was fucked up when I saw their names in the credits, and I think I had known that. And I I hated Straight Outta Compton, and that mm. got kind of like I do want to talk about um, that. But yeah. Go ahead. But like once I saw their heavy involvement, I was like, "Oh boy, you're." And I know we might talk about Sasha Baron Cohen a little bit later, but I guess he was the one that like got rid of Sasha Baron Cohen because he didn't want it to be all about Freddie Mercury. Gay, I think he said like it's not just going to be uh, like drugs and gay stuff the whole movie. And would have a hundred thousand percent preferred uh, drugs and gay stuff all for. Yeah. Well, he was like, "So like, what's this going to be about?" <laughs> Like, yeah, and so it ended up being sort of about Freddie Mercury, but not really about Queen, and not really about so this movie was about it suffers, nothing. It suffers exactly. from the theory you of can't everything. Say it was about, you can't really say that it was about Queen. You can't really say that it was about Freddie Mercury. You can't really say that it was about anything. It was just like a Want hybrid. Want to do a rankings of uh, what this movie was about? Yeah. Uh, all right, number one, Live cats. Aid. Yeah. Cats. Number one, Live Aid. Number two, Cats. Number three, uh the the life and times of uh, Ray Foster, <laughs> of sweaty Jeff Lynn, non-existent man Ray Foster. This movie was not about partying. Can we talk about the party? The yes, epic the, like, party oh, yeah. scenes. No wonder they left the party. They were like, "Yo, this party's like whack." Yeah. yeah, they were like, "This is this party's too crazy for me, Freddie. We have kids. We got to go home." I was like, "I would have left that party at like my age." Yeah, like, the, only- the only time in this movie that it was uh, like assumed that or. Like even got close to Freddie Mercury having sex was when his party was so lame that everybody left at like nine p.m. Yeah, and the only guy left in his house was a caterer. It was that a he caterer sexually that he sexually assaulted. <laughs> yeah, sexually assaulted. Well, they do two things. One, when they're in the limo, th- these are the two instances drugs are shown. One at the raging party, they like show a coffee table, yes, and there's just yeah. like a little coke. There's like. So little, like, it could just be, like, a dusty table. And <laughs> yes. then in the limo, um, Peter Prentice, is that his name? Uh, Peter Printer. Peter Printer. Yeah. Uh, Paul Printer? Paul, Paul, yeah. Paul. He gives Freddie a pill, which he takes with a drink, and then immediately, like, he he fires Aiden Gillen, and Aiden Gillen's like, you're high, Freddie. And it's like, a, <laughs> oh, it's like yeah. saved by the bell. Like, yeah. Like, it's, like immediately yeah. you're high after doing that. It was insane. Yeah. It's that pot you're on. <laughs> When uh, Mary goes to visit him in Munich, right, yeah, there's, there's a, lot a of drugs on there's the table. a little drugs on the table, yeah. and then uh, and then Paul shows up as uh, Leather Daddy, yeah, Leather Daddy from Le- Leather Tobias Fuke, yes. Uh, something that says daddy likes leather. <laughs> and also, apparently, did he walk home to England? How did he get home? Yeah. <laughs> he just started walking? In the no, rain. Like, yeah, in the rain. In the rain. He's like, One, I'm there was a here. cab. This, this just party like, sucks. <laughs> she called an Uber, like, somehow in the 70s, and yeah. there was a cab waiting for her, and he just walked to England from Germany. And it was another, it was uh, one of those classic uh, quit standing in the rain moments where yeah. Freddie's outside, and he's like, Paul, I want you gone. And Paul's like, it's, 
It's raining really loudly. Can you just come closer to the house and speak it's, to me? It's raining really loudly, and the timeline's very cloudy. I'm not really yeah. sure yeah. if you have AIDS yet. Yeah. If you do, you probably shouldn't be in the rain right. because you're yeah, you're your immune system kind of isn't so good. <laughs> yeah. You're already playing with fire. The timeline. Also, we're all wearing an awful lot of leather. We shouldn't. Be <laughs> we can't be much. outside. The timeline's so cloudy; it's starting to rain. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But uh, I just ever like watch a movie and it's raining out, and you just like feel bad for the act. Like it just takes you out of the movie, and I'm like, this looked like it was fucking. Mid- miserable like yeah brian singer probably like just got fired and they're like all right cool you got a six hour shoot in the rain uh we got to shoot it on both ways full coverage <laughs> how do you Ugh. think morale was no oh, the morale was probably terrible terrible like right or or were the people that were there at the end did they feel like they got what they wanted you know like see this is what we dreamed of the whole time and there's like two people there and yeah, like uh, the know, studio's like- falling down <laughs> I was gonna say like it's 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 got to be tough when like multiple people get fired or, or like leave a project. So like Sasha Baron Cohen, Greg Williams lo- directed the movie. <laughs> yeah, his son was the Sasha uh, DP. Baron, Sasha Baron Cohen obviously left left the project. Uh, Brian Singer was fired, uh, and so like I can't say that Remy Malik was like affected by morale because if Sasha Baron Cohen didn't leave, he wouldn't be there. Right. Mm-hmm. So like I'm, it might honestly be like the people that were left on the project were happy. About That's what it. I'm saying. But but. How would your morale be going in if you're Remy Malik and you know I am not the first choice and I am certainly not the best Doesn't, choice? I don't think it matters for Remy Malik. Like this is the checks biggest clear, thing baby. Life. Yeah, you take it like a superhero. Like I'm in a Marvel movie. Like this is gonna yeah. be this is gonna make me famous and a lot of money uh, and maybe about, an award. Yeah, I I I really do think that he was bad in it. I I think I I might be outnumbered there, but uh, what do we think of how he looked? Because here's my theory. He obviously looked terrible. Didn't look like <laughs> Freddy. Uh, he looked like Freddy in one scene. Uh, it was in the early 80s, and he's sitting in the studio after uh, Queen infamously <laughs> broke up. And he's sitting in the studio, and it was like the Freddy uh, track jacket look. And Ooh, yeah. he had like the aviators and the mustache. And I was like, all right, that looks like Freddy right now. But here's my theory. The teeth were obviously very, very distracting, right? Yes, very. Yeah. It's because they his that eyes are bad, right? It's well, they were. So here's the issue. No, I'm saying like uh, Freddy's. Freddy's teeth weren't that. Freddy's bad. teeth were more messed up than though those, but not, not as, as big, big yeah. right? Yeah. So I think it's because Remy Malik's eyes are so like your face is just drawn to his eyes because yeah. he's got these huge Amanda they Seinfeld eyes, right? So I think that they probably gave him correctly sized <laughs> Freddy teeth, and they were like, well, we're still seeing the eyes." Uh, <laughs> you make him bigger. Uh, yeah, 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 just ra- ratchet up the, the turn the, up the base of my headphones. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not turn hearing up the enamel in those teeth. Yeah, I'm, I'm not hearing any any teeth here. Uh, so then they just made him bigger and bigger and bigger, but they made them like clean. Yes, and yes, yeah, clean. Like they just made teeth, it a overbite, like, but sort of like like pointed towards each other. Like in yeah. real life. they just like jutted out yeah. in real life. Yeah, it was just like, like right. a giant overbite. Like almost if you right, like if you spread your fingers a little bit and then just kind of yeah. like went like that. Uh, but this, they just made it. They I just gave that him a huge overbite and really, really big teeth. And yeah, that's like not what Freddie had. Mouth, basically. Yeah, yeah. He uh, was. So I don't know if I told you this before. Like, I also like Jeff. I don't know that much about Queen, and I didn't do that much research about Queen throughout my life. I just like their music. Yeah, I think I've said this on the podcast before. I never really knew what Freddie Mercury looked like until I like sought out his <laughs> images, and so like this. Because were, were, were you, so, uh, it might have been, you might have been somebody else. A lot of people were surprised. They were like, why'd they get a Muslim guy to play Freddie Mercury? I, I knew that yeah. he, I knew that he was like, uh, like some, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, so like, I can't necessarily like weigh in on how he, on how Rami Malek looked because I still like don't fully know what Freddie Mercury looks like. He's sort of an enigma to I'm me. I'm so excited. So like we have things to do after this and there are sports games on, but that's not what we're going to do. I'm going to show <laughs> you guys so many videos of... Uh, or I'll, I'll, Let me pick my favorite one and I'll show you that. Okay. And we'll watch uh, them talking about the stuff they did in the studio because when Freddie talks and he says, oh, we quite like doing this and then we'd put in the... And then Brian would go on tea and me and Roger would work on the clever little bits and we quite liked that. And like <laughs> it's just... Oh, God, I love him. So, I hate this movie. So so I watched Live Aid again today to like cleanse the so palate. Good. And I didn't <laughs> realize... <laughs> during it, I thought Ram, Rami Malek looked good. Um... But watching it, the real Freddy afterwards, I was like, oh, it's sort of like an exaggeration. He doesn't really look that good. 
And uh, the first time he cuts his hair short, he looks exactly like Nick Kroll's character from Big Mouth. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I was trying that's to find a picture. That is going to be great. And, like, it, exactly. And that also then took me out of the movie the whole time. Yeah, like, he, didn't, he didn't have, like, the the moves and the mannerisms down, which I forgive. Like, I forgive a lot of the, you There's weren't just like Freddie Mercury. Mercury. Right. Like, is if I made a joke, uh, me and one of my coworkers dressed up as two of our other coworkers for Halloween. And the joke we made was uh, there's this guy, Phil Perry, that works with us, who's this really handsome man. And uh, we were saying, well, we were going to dress like Phil, but if you could look like him, you would just do that all the time. <laughs> so like, if Rami Malek could be Freddie Mercury, he would not be doing episodes of 24 and stuff like that. He'd be the biggest rock star I love that on your reference planet. point of Rami Malek is 24. It's always 24. Do you want to know what mine is? It's the guy from 24. Twilight Breaking Dawn Part oh, 2, no. uh, which is an incredible movie. Uh, we should watch that sometime. It is. Shout out to Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 2. I'm down to skip Bruins two. and Celtics tonight. Uh, <laughs> yes. But the, the cool... so. The Live Aid scene when he's, uh, I think it's during Radio Gaga, when he's like really moving and jumping around with like the, the half mic stand. Yeah. Uh, a move, by the way, that uh, Josh Tillman might want to pick up. He could save a lot of money on microphone stands. Uh, at first, I was like, oh, that's really, really cool the way uh, that he's like moving like him. And it just, it makes me feel like I'm watching it. But then I saw a preview for it the other day and it showed a clip of that. And I realized. What was cool about that was just that they shot it the same way, like okay. they like the, like the camera swung around and did like all the stuff. It just captured him the same way. So they made the best of a bad situation. I from guess. from what I can understand, the the Live Aid stuff was the first stuff that they shot, and and Brian Singer was definitely a part of that, and like <laughs> he was it was yeah, the biggest was, the biggest the set thing he ever yeah. And I don't know, but I'm dying to know like when. Like, where was this new guy? Like, when it all happened? I feel like there is a strange tone shift. Like, all of a sudden, when the reviews for Bohemian Rhapsody start popping up, like, that kind of took me by surprise. Yeah. Like, mm. it was just very strange. I personally didn't like it. <laughs> uh, I hated it. Uh, yeah, I th so you mentioned Straight Outta Compton earlier, and I wanted to bring that up, and I wanted to bring up that comparison, because I feel like it... This movie sort of had some of the same afflictions as Straight Outta Compton, and n not just talking about AIDS. Um, but oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, like, obviously, it was made by members of the group, mm -hmm. and uh, so there's always when that happens, there's always sort of like a propaganda. Well, yeah, you're aspect not getting the straight it. dope, right? And so I came in expecting that, but. What I will say about Straight Outta Compton, which I did like, I will say that I like Straight Outta Compton, and I think it's very rewatchable, and I cannot say about Agree. either of those things about this movie. Uh, the one thing that Straight Outta Compton had that this movie did not have, uh, or at least the biggest thing, was that it told me something about NWA's story that, that I didn't know, and that was the whole Jerry Heller aspect. And yep. I think that they yeah. did a really good job of telling that part of the story, yep. uh, and like that is a huge part of NWA's story. Obviously, that's a very and, very good point. And there's nothing, there's nothing to liken that to to, to Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, if, they don't do any of that. Uh, Straight Outta Compton uh, told a not completely true story and entertained me. And it meant that I got to watch NWA stuff for two hours. I was delighted. I also happily rewatched that that movie. Really liked it, knowing that it was not totally perfect. And there were a few parts that you're like, "Oh come on!" Yeah, right. And I stuff. mean, the fact that they but, completely overlooked like the abuse of oh yeah, the but not even that. Like Dre and Easy's beef, like they, they, oh, they the squashed the beef. Like, Let's squash the beef. You're like, you what didn't beef? show beef, sir? <laughs> we didn't see any beef. Where's the beef? Yeah, like bring out H. John Benjamin to tell me about this. <laughs> the the meats. Love those commercials. Uh, but you you forgive that, right? Like, right. And I think that's what we keep harping on with uh, the Terrible Queen movie is that I'd be cool with them flubbing the timeline a little or skipping over certain things. But like they're playing these huge concerts, and I'm like, yo, why are people going? You don't have any songs, apparently. <laughs> you didn't. You all you did was record. People just want to hear "Keep Yourself Alive" and "Doing All Right," apparently, because those are the only songs you guys have recorded. And the way that they like go about like how they recorded those songs or how they like made those songs. Where oh, it's God. not believable, yeah. Like, no. The the we will rock you. So thing. then we all got together and we said, "Let's write a song." And Can then I said, "Let's write 
another one bites the dust. And that's how another one bites the dust was written. It was so like third grade and awful. The, and the scene in the scene where uh, where Rami Malik was like, and we're gonna be called Queen, and he like falls down on his bed and the notebook, <laughs> and it's the exact fucking drawing of the Queen logo and yeah. like the album art, and it's like, what the fuck? Are you also the most talented artist in the well, world? Well, he did, uh, he did, he did design s- the logo. Right, did he really? He did, well, yeah. he, uh, well, it would have been nice if the movie told me that. Exactly. So, I just assumed I don't it to be a lie. Even say like he he went to school for design. Do they say it in the movie? They say it briefly. Okay, yeah. I did. The, I'll, the one thing I was I like locked learn, in the first like ten minutes. I swear. Like you didn't he, know it was a bad movie yet. Not yeah. Yet. <laughs> uh, the um, the the one thing that I did learn. I need to check if this was true. But he <laughs> says uh, to everybody, he's like. Roger, without me, you'd just be a dentist. And what would you be doing as an astrologist, uh, Brian? And then he gets to John Deacon, and he's like, Deakey, for the life of me, I can't think of anything that you could do. And John Deacon says, uh, what do you say? Like I was, I studied studying. electrical engineering or right. something like that. And I was like... If that's true, then then cool. Then we 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 got if, something. If that's what we're taking this away, this is the from story this movie. of a young man named John Deacon who studied electrical engineering. Uh, Bohemian you, Rhapsody. You want to miss it? You mentioned uh, another one bites the dust, and that scene was like particularly like unconscionable to me. Yeah. Like that they come up with they come up with the song, but then it's played, and that's a very like ominous yeah. baseline song. And they, the montage they split, remember it was him going to all the leather clubs and stuff, and it was very, like, red and black. Walking and it, like, by John Hutton. Yeah. It like, was very much, him. like, like gay panic. Like, very, like it made it, like, it was so, like, off-putting to me and very strange and out of place. I don't know. that. Well, it was in place because the movie fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah. But, like, it was, like, it really, was like, it was really poorly done and, like, handled. It was, like, ugh, I don't know. Do you know how uh, Another One Bites the Dust was actually written? No. Uh, John Deacon was at the studio when Sheik was recording Good Times, and he popped in, and obviously the, the bass line for uh, Good Times, uh, huh. I said a hip. Hop the hibbit, uh, the hibbit, the hip hip hop. You don't stop a rock. Uh, and he, so he heard them uh, recording Good Times, and then like a week later, he was like. Yo, uh, Sheik has this really cool song, and it made me like think of this. It's kind of a ripoff. I just basically cut the bass line in half, <laughs> and th- they made a song of that. And Sheik was like, "Yo, what? You were there? That's so <laughs> cool! Like, we pro. It would be like if I were to be like, hey, Pete, uh, what are you working on for work?' And you're like, "Oh, I'm writing this thing on this guy, and I'm interviewing him. Blah blah." I'd be like, "Cool. Let's make a quick phone call, and then they'd call <laughs> that guy and be like, "Hey." Story buddies, <laughs> just thought of a great idea. So that's how another one bites. Did the she dust. get co-writing credit? I don't know. They, I hope so. They should have. But this was, bef- I mean, if it happened now, then Marvin Gaye would have somehow gotten money out of it. I just keep thinking <laughs> about that Selena Gomez, uh, David. But now that you're a big Talking Heads yes! fan, uh, yeah, he gets paid for that. He right? gets paid for that for uh, Bad Liar because that's just Psycho Killer, right? But I think someone, he one is of my a songwriter, said that like, it. it actually might even sample Psycho Killer. Oh, really? Beyond yeah. I, that, might, I don't know. We're we're, we're getting into bass lines now. I love Talking Heads, and I'm not. I I know I haven't totally broken through. I still have like only six songs that I listen to. But man. Soon it'll be seven. Do you listen to uh, Naive Melody? No. That's uh, that? probably, This Must Be The Place. That's probably like my, the best song of all time. Really? Yeah. It's like that and Since You've Been Gone by Kelly Clarkson are probably the two best songs of all time. Nice. Uh, <laughs> problematic, Dr. Luke. Ooh. Oh, sorry. That wasn't wow. cool. Yeah, uh, all right. So what are, we, uh, what are we doing for stamps here? <sighs> A no. <laughs> I, I was thinking about doing uh, the poop emoji. <laughs> like Connor for real. <laughs> Although you we got do the that. poop emoji. Yeah. yeah. Oh man, Jeff, you go ahead. What do you got for a stamp? I'm gonna actually only change mine to unforgivable. Ooh, wow. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm. This movie made me sad. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. I, yeah, I, I, okay. we're just gonna say that whole thing in there. That's I, li- I love that. Uh, so mine was originally gonna be a, a long one too. Uh, I was gonna I was gonna stamp it cheesy queen porn, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's a pretty good description. But, but it's I not think- a lot of queen. So porn is. Oh, by the way, I have a porn thought. Go on. Oh God, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, so I think my stamp, and I think this is the, like it, 
this movie is useless. Yes, it is yes. useless. Yes. Dude, I think, perfect. Go with that. Are you? Yeah, gonna I'm gonna lock go. It in. I'm gonna go useless. Useless, unforgivable, and this movie made me sad. I think we did a good thing here. Uh, my point on porn, porn. is uh, so probably for not much longer. I'm a mustachioed man, and a lot of people will say that the, the big thing is people don't know their decades. They're like, you look like a '90s blah blah. blah. I'm like, that's not what people look like in the 90s. Stop. Uh, but a big thing, everyone says like, ooh, cool porn mustache or cool porn stash, blah, blah. Where did that come from? I've watched porn before. I've never seen like just a bunch of guys with mustaches. <laughs> Where does that – and is there an answer? Do you guys have I, any I thoughts? I would guess if I, had, if I had one guess, I would guess Ron Jeremy. Yeah. Ron Jeremy is like – So one guy had a mustache? <laughs> so that may- – you, you might so you should be calling me Freddie Mercury because oh, like, that guy, that dude yeah. that dude John about. Holmes uh, that uh the the dude that got like murdered or whatever like H. I H. think Holmes? it's like an eighties thing H. H. Holmes. so here's the thing if it is a decade thing because yeah, I think so like, maybe I it's like say. a seventies thing everybody so had everybody in the seventies yeah. looked okay. like to, in the seventies you got you a mailman watching porn <laughs> yeah <laughs> you just make up an occupation yeah. you got an attorney stash cool grocery clerk stash that is actually you should keep the mustache and you should just respond to all the hey nice porn stash no 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 it's this, a doctor it, stash this is, this is a cashier stash it's uh the only thing it couldn't be would be uh, a fireman stash because firefighters can't have facial hair you mm. know that yep no because uh, they can't have stuff on their face. Because they they got the masks and everything, you got a lot get of that seal a lot of there. professions wear masks and they can have facial hair. You think Bane has facial? <laughs> Bane has to have facial hair. There's no way he's taking that thing off. Oh, yeah. and shaving every day. He's probably got a strange goatee. He just has a go- weird ass goatee. He probably has like a '70s porn goatee. <laughs> Why? He has, th- he has is... a weird ass goatee and a weird ass tan line. Oh yeah. yeah. I uh, still, by the way, can you? S- maybe it's gone. Is there a line? On my head here from the from Texas. Yeah. No. Okay. It finally went away, but for like three weeks to a month, I had some sort of like tan line slash sunburn from me wearing a headband in Texas, and I don't regret it for a single second. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that that there was at least you guys are on the same page regarding the uh, the porn stash thing because that doesn't make a drop of sense. I think we're all in agreement on most everything today. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, did we want to discuss game night at all? Uh, well, we'd be remiss if we didn't point out. Oh, also, uh, there's a they're making a Rocket Man movie, and one thing that they're doing it's an Elton John movie with Taron Edgerton. Killing. Yeah, Edger- uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Taron yeah. Sorry, I wish. Wish. <laughs> that'd be awesome. Yeah. I just listened to a podcast with him. By the way, that dude was in a fucking SNL, an Oscar winning uh, movie, and Hamilton. Like, Wait, what? The, Oscar winning He was movie? in Hamilton? Twelve Years a Slave. Oh, really? And oh, right. he was in Hamilton. Can you think about that fucking career? Is incredible. Yeah. And he, for, I mean, like, he's the rare uh, Mad TV. He might be the first. Is he the first? He's the second. He. I was listening to this thing. He's the second uh, Mad TV to SNL guy. I don't know who the first. So someone I've never heard of. Hmm. Um. So in Rocket Man, uh, Taron Edgerton is uh, Eggsy. singing. Eggsy, yeah, yeah, Eggsy. is uh, singing and actually doing the vocals for uh, Elton John. And I wish they did that in this movie. Yeah. I found it though, more like, uncomfortable. It's so impossible to do that. Right. With but, Queen. But technology these days, like honestly, I could get you with the, with the right software. I could make you sound like Freddie Mercury. Let's well, do I mean, this. they did make everybody in, in Mamma Mia sound great. Yeah. Like in, except for uh, what's her face? Meryl Streep. Yeah, sounded right. yeah. like they they had to kill her. They had no choice. <laughs> but like, spoiler, I haven't seen it. But um, you haven't seen Mania two or one? Wow. Um, I watched it again this weekend. <laughs> uh, it just goes to show. Like I was thinking a lot about A Star Is Born, mm-hmm. like being a, a music movie, and juxtaposing this and the to that, like the fact that like you hear about Rami Malek, like Oscar contention, and then you're like, Ugh. look at what Bradley Cooper did. That dude oh, yeah. played guitar, right. sang, and acted his ass off. Yeah. Like, a bar has been set A so bar is born, f- Yeah, a bar, a bar is born. <laughs> a bar is born. Uh, yeah, so, like, the, uh, the Rocketman thing is interesting to me because, like, what is the relationship between Taron Egerton and Elton John? Because I'm pretty uh, sure... Other than that they do all their projects together? Exactly. This is their <laughs> yeah. third thing together, which is crazy. Wait, what was the... I know Kingsman 2. Kingsman 2. And there was like there was another project where they were... Oh, worked. he sang uh, I'm Still Standing in Sing. Oh, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, like, what's going on there? Hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Conspiracy cool. theorists. I'm going to go watch Sing. 
That that movie wasn't that bad. That was, it okay. was pretty good. It was yeah, pretty it was good. fine. Yeah, I, I watched Kingsman. Kingsman, yeah. The second not one, Kingsman too. Yeah, yeah, that one did stink. The second one with time. I remember I, I saw the second one and I was like, no, 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 it wasn't bad. And like a few days later, it kind of hit yeah. me. I was like, oh, so that movie blew. So huh? Rocket Man looks like it has some sort of like magical yes, element, yeah. like across the universe yeah. style, yeah, yeah. like. That's cool. Except like, if hopefully you... nothing like Across the Universe, because that's garbage. <laughs> well, I'm hoping that like maybe that's what this Queen movie lacked. Like, if you wanted to shy away from all the real shit about Freddie Mercury, like yeah. lean into the sort of like mythical nature and do some crazy shit. Like, I'm hoping Rocket Man is cool like that and takes chances. I'm just hoping they make him gay.